I'm not sure exactly who your audience all is, but I'm assuming if they're in the creative industry, they're designers, they're photographers, they're web designers, web developers. We have an incredible tool. Like we have all these tools that people are coming to us to use to help amplify their voices. And I think wielding those tools with integrity ourselves and not just amplifying voices just to do it, but to be thinking, I think even for all of us need to be thinking more strategically about like whose voices, whose platforms are we boosting? We have so much power and yeah, it's a responsibility. I think, I don't think, you know, you always think that way when you're, you know, just making a a logo or creating content, but it is a responsibility and it's something to think about, or at least think when you're doing your work. Welcome to Wave Social Podcast powered by Arcade Studios. My name's Mike. I'm here with my co-host Mitzi, and we've curated a show for digital marketers, advertisers, and modern entrepreneurs who want to stop chasing the tide and start making waves online. Each episode, we'll sit down with the tastemakers and strategic minds behind some of the most engaged communities and up-and-coming brands. We'll pull back the curtain on their strategies and experiences to uncover the methodology behind their seismic impact. Thanks for joining us. Let's dive in. Welcome back for another episode of Wave Social Podcast. Before we get into it, I want to tell you about the Wave Social merch that we have live at wavesocialpodcast.com. This year, we're doing something different. You will notice that there's no ads that will interrupt the flow of the interview. So instead, we're having merch. And if you feel like you want to support the podcast or wear some cute sweaters, check it out. Let us know what you think of it. And we can't wait to see you in them. Yeah, this was just fun for us. It was Mm -hmm. a nice little creative expression for our team. And uh, we're always open to ideas. So if you check it out, pick something up, maybe think of something that's not up there that you'd love for us to produce, then just hit us up. Yeah, I'm really excited about this interview. Today we have Alyssa Juhas. She's an incredible designer, multidisciplinary art director, co-founder of the Designer Vacay. She's just an all-around badass creative and artist and entrepreneur. She's named one of top 10 Young Designers to Watch by Design Edge. She won an Applied Arts Design Award for Complete Magazine Design for Darling Magazine, which is what she actually goes into a little bit more. She's also a mom of two beautiful young boys, and she's currently taking her master's degree so that she can eventually add the title of Futurist to her name, which I love that. Yeah, that's gangster. (laughs) But overall, she's got an amazing wealth of knowledge in the design and curiosity and creativity space. So I'm really excited for this episode so you can all hear it. Yeah, you have a lot to look forward to. We covered a range of topics. I think this one is obviously going to be good for designers, Mm -hmm. but we talk a lot just about creativity in general, client relationships, you know, even having a family and being curious I thought it was really interesting just along the lines of curiosity. We have a two-year-old daughter and she is curious about everything. (laughs) And one thing Alyssa pointed out was just right now in the season of their life with two boys, they've just decided to be curious about whatever their kids are curious about. So whatever it is that's captivating their attention, they just really double down on that and Mm -hmm. adopt that as an interest of their own. And I was inspired by that. Yeah. That's so cool. Me too. I mean, I definitely want to raise creative kids Mm -hmm. Um, and creativity exists, you know, not just in design or photography or like the actual like tangible art that you make. It could be in the form of just a creative problem solving, which is also something that Alyssa touched on. So as a mom, I feel like that's part of my role is to help nurture that creativity and curiosity. So she broke it down and made it sound so simple and approachable, which I loved. Yeah, definitely. She's a wealth of knowledge. Mm -hmm. And I just felt really aligned with her when she said how crazy Pinterest is and how <laughs> she just tries to avoid it Oh my uh, god! to just try not to look like everybody else. And she was describing this trendy home aesthetic that you can find on Pinterest. And I was just like, I had this moment where I was like, that's our home. <laughs> I know. I know. I could see it in your eyes. You're like <laughs> really holding back, trying not to call me out. Yeah, I guess I'm just a sucker to the algorithm, <laughs> but... Yeah, do it for the gram, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> I know. It really like... 
challenge me to be like, okay, I need to get off Pinterest and like doing everything that I think is trendy there. Hey, but, all that to say, maybe the trend starts on Pinterest, but you've really brought it to life. Wow, in our, that's in our really space. nice. It's, it's a, it's a space you. that I like spending time in. That's awesome. And it was built with marble in it. That wasn't your fault. That's true. But yeah, this is a great interview. I think anyone who is listening and maybe doesn't think that this might not apply to them because they're not creative, I really challenge you to take a listen because she talks about how everyone is creative. And I really believe that too. So I think it'll be a great interview for anyone who's in the marketing space, which is hopefully all of you. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm just going to read a review and then we can queue it up. How does that sound? Okay. So this one is by Mr. Nathan R17, a solid username. It says, lovely podcast to learn from. And he says, I'm loving the podcast. So good to hear from experts in marketing. Great to hear from individuals who work in the field and have experienced so much. Would recommend. Wow. Thank Thank you, Nathan. Mr. Nathan. Yeah. Mr. Nathan 17. Yeah. We always really appreciate the reviews. So thank you for that. If you've been listening and enjoying, we encourage you to jump onto Apple or wherever you listen and leave us a review. It doesn't have to be written. It can just be five out of five stars. (laughs) Whatever (laughs) you think. Yeah. But we appreciate anyone who takes the time to do it. We're here for you guys. Yeah. Thanks so much and enjoy the interview. Okay, Alyssa, thanks for joining us today. We are so excited to have you. Thanks so much for having me. This is going to be fun. Yeah, it really is. So I think with all of our guests, we like to start at the beginning and just kind of track your career growth or progress. So why don't you just take us back to the beginning a little bit and tell us how you got into design? Yeah. Okay. So I was like generally a creative kid. Uh, I took like creative classes, but when I went to college which I was recruited to play basketball, actually. And so that's why I went to, (laughs) I was an athlete in another life. Yeah. So I went there. I wasn't actually sure what I wanted to do. I was actually like a really nerdy math geek in high school. So the idea of like being an engineer or being something like in math was in my head, but I just didn't feel like 100% the calling to do that or wanting to do that. So went to college, play basketball, and kind of like took every math course available. And then I also took visual communications as an option. And I loved it. I like fell in love with it. It was so good. And then probably like near the end of that class, my professor actually sat me down and said, you need to choose. You can do math, you could do design, but you need to choose. And I think he was even talking about sports as well, because it's not like I was like going to go to the WNBA or anything. So he's like, you kind of need to focus. If you focus on one, you'll go far. Yeah. And then I kind of just like sat down and thought about that. And then that's how I went into design, decided to like pursue that as my school career path. And then from that, it was such an incredible, it was a really small program. One of my professors was, he was from England and he was just, or the UK and he was incredible. And him and his wife hired me out of school. I worked at their boutique design studio that was like very small, very niche. I got to be a part of so many projects from the whole way through, which was like really incredible for my career starting out. It wasn't just like I was siloed into one part of production or I did it all from like client facing to the design and creation and then also producing it out in the real world as well. So that was incredible. It was, so it was really good. And then out of that, then I went into an agency, did advertising agency for a couple of years with two incredible creative directors one was a copywriter and one was a designer and the copywriter and I just created such, he was just like the most incredible creative director. Loved working with him. And then after that, I started my own studio or went freelance consulting. And I've been doing that, I guess, for the last like nine years, working on my own, doing my own thing. And it's been really, really fun. I'm loving it. That's awesome. We're definitely going to touch on that. I just want to go back to when you're in university and your professor sat you down and was like, you have to pick. Can you walk us through what you felt or what that process was like? Like, was it annoying that he was saying this to you? Or were you like, oh, yeah, that makes sense? Or also, like, was your decision easy? Did it come naturally? Or was it hard to kind of deliberate what the best trajectory would be? Yeah. Well, I guess I should also say, so my 
family. So my mom's side of the family is farmers, Alberta farmers, but my dad's side of the family is creative. So like my grandfather was an architect and a painter and all my aunts and uncles are like painters, sculptors. They make these incredible dolls that celebrities buy, like very creative side of the family. And then I also came from a very like you get a job, a real job that wouldn't understand what Mm -hmm. a designer was. And to be honest, up until that point, I didn't even know what a graphic designer was. So I think I was fighting that creative part of my myself for so long thinking I needed to, you know, get like a nine to five or get a cubicle job, whatever it would be, but it never felt right. And so I think when my professor finally sat me down, I think I was a little offended, but also felt, yeah, you're right. Whether I choose to go more, maybe like still a great route if I would have done engineering or some sort of math, but it just didn't maybe feel as right. And then it maybe even just gave me permission to be like, no, you're right. I need to choose. You can't be everything, you know? And so there does need to be like sometimes a fork in the road where you're like, okay, I feel like both options would have been great. But I think in my heart, I knew that I wanted to maybe go the road that not everyone goes. And that would be a little bit different. Yeah. I feel like that's the point of university too, is just to kind of like crash around in different spaces and subjects and figure out what you really like. That's really cool that you had the space to do that. Also, it's really fascinating how math was one of your key interests because I feel like for a lot of creatives, maybe that isn't the case. The really like numbers, analytical stuff. You mentioned you were a creative kid. As a mom, you have two really amazing, incredible boys. Do you look at them and kind of think, are my boys are going to be creative? Or like, do you see things in them? And how do you encourage creativity in your kids? Yeah, great question. Well, first off, I truly believe everyone's creative. I really believe that. I think it's maybe society or the values we put on different creative pursuits that make people feel that their creativity is insignificant. So I truly do believe everyone is. But with my boys, I don't think you can teach creativity. I think you can model it. And so for us as a family, like we're just curious. We're curious about everything around us. We're always trying to have adventures. That's also my personality is just to try new things. I want to have experiences with my family. And then I think something that's stuck with me for a really long time is this quote that I heard where, I think I even wrote it down. It's by Wendy Mogul. And she says, be enchanted by whatever's currently enchanting your child. I feel like that's basically the value or the ethos of our family is like, whatever our boys are into, we're all into that. We're all about it. And we want to be curious and we want to learn and we want to try it. And so right now, like my boys, my oldest is into scootering and skateboarding. And we are at those parks two to three hours every day. It's like so intense and he loves it. And he's having so much fun and he's learning and he's growing. And then my youngest loves mini golf. So anytime we see a mini golf course, we pull off the road and we're like there, we're all playing it. We're all into it. And that's awesome. Yeah. It's a fun, it's fun. Yeah. That's such a great motto. I think that's something that I definitely want to think about and reflect on and how we can do that too with, with our daughter. Yeah. You mentioned that you think everyone is creative. So can you like maybe expand on that a little bit? Like in your opinion, do you think creativity only exists in creative work, like design or photography, or like how can it exist in other forms? Yeah. So that's a great question. Yeah. So I truly believe everyone's creative. I think everywhere around you, if you look, you'll see the creative problem solving that's happening all the time. So for instance, I was really into math and you would think math and then like being a visual designer, like what, how does that go together? But math is all about problem solving and good visual communication is all about problem solving as well. It's about looking at the world, trying to figure out how to communicate that will get across to the broadest audience or the audience that you're looking at. So it's all sort of like strategy 
and problem solving. And so I feel like that too, like looking around, you know, you can see like creativity in science, you can see creativity in media and politics and even just when you're making a schedule for your home or mm-hmm. anything, cooking, writing songs, all the different things. I feel like creativity is all around us if we just actually look for it and we don't just glance over and just think, oh, that was easy to do or that just happens. I think there's so much magic that's happening all around us. That's enchanting. I feel like uh, <laughs> I feel like I'm so watching like Love Actually right now. I think it's such a great lens to look at it because a lot of our listeners are creative just by trade, like they're photographers or social media marketers or whatever, but there is creativity in all the other supporting roles to mm-hmm. that creative work, like account management or project management. All of that really works together to create the final product. And you can't, I totally agree with you. I think you can be creative in all of those ways and mm-hmm. in those roles too. Yeah, totally. You've gone back to school now. Is that kind of why, you know, like, are you looking for other mediums of creativity or are there things that you've kind of discovered or beliefs that you've established while doing this work that have brought you back to that? Or why are you going back to school? Yeah, so I'm back to school for a few different reasons. One, it was just like a bucket list to get my master's. It kind of just wanted to do that. And then I found a really great program that I was like, yeah, this feels right. So it just made sense to kind of go back now. I also, so I've been doing design now for 12 years, 14 years, something like that. And I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Like, it's so much fun. I feel so thankful that this is my job. But I do feel more of a desire to maybe slightly pivot or at least bring a different offering to my clients. So the master's I'm getting is more in design thinking. So it's less them teaching me how to make a better website, but it's more about thinking around it. So Basically, they're teaching us to be innovators and problem solvers in the world right now. So I, for me, it's just another way of, I guess, being creative, but maybe more on the strategy side, on the thinking side, not just making, you know, pretty pictures, even though that's never really been what I've done. I've always tried to have strategy and concept behind everything I do, but I'm just getting, I think, more tools to, yeah, do that with more depth, I think. Really cool. Yeah, we need more innovators and problem solvers right now. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, I feel like we're going kind of backwards right now, but can you spend a little bit of time on your freelance work and mm-hmm. like the consultancy side of what you've been doing for the last 10 or 12 years and a little bit more practically what you've been doing from a creative perspective and what's been fun about it? Yeah. So, I work with clients from all different ranges, from like a photographer or a consultant, so like a business of one, and then up into working with the United Nations right now, so larger organizations. So it really varies. And I think sometimes people really niche into like, oh, I work with this industry. But for me, I've always found that I just love working with really great people my website says like working with happy people. And that's kind of what I want to do. I love just working with good people that are excited about what they're doing. And it always creates like really fun projects. Yeah, so I'm doing stuff like branding and web design. I love magazines. So that's also been a big part of my portfolio. It's working with magazines, but obviously those are fewer to come by. But I love jumping on those kind of projects when they come my way. Yeah. I feel like there's just something so romantic about print. Yeah. Especially in this digital age, you know. Yeah. So it's yeah. it's really cool to see how much print design you still get to do and how relevant it still is. It's not yeah. like print in general is a thing of the past, but there's yeah. still something so special about it. On your website and also already in this conversation, you've mentioned how much you love math. And I know that's true because you've mentioned it now. I was going to ask if that was a cheeky take. But do you feel like good design has a formula in that sense? What's your approach when you take on a project? Mm-hmm. 
When it comes to influencer marketing, there's a podcast that covers it all that you will want to add to your playlist. The Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. They talk about influencer marketing, social media, the creator economy, social commerce, and much, much more. They cover all aspects, including the creator economy, social commerce, the latest trends, the metaverse, TikTok trends, and that's just the beginning. The Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. Add the podcast to your playlist right now. Yeah, well, so for me, through my years as being on my own, being a freelancer, like a company of one, I have developed my process. So I do have steps that I walk a client through. A lot of it starts with research and development, figuring out who their audience is. I kind of have this process that I walk my clients through right from the beginning before we even jump into design. So I do think once you nail down your process, there are steps. But I think that the beauty is the like in between those steps. So it's always different. You're not always going the same way, but there's those pillars of like, okay, we ask these questions. We do this research around the audience, the people involved. You know, we look at the goals of the company. We look at who you are. Anyway, different things like that, that sort of help you get to your solution, but it's never fully linear. There's always little bumps and little things that you like, find out about a client or like changes the trajectory. But generally, I think good design, especially good design that communicates does have a process. There is like a really beautiful process. Even I've seen that in my school in this last semester, we did a lot of solutioning and problem solving and brainstorming in groups. And just to watch the different processes we went through different ways we brainstormed and sometimes it felt like we weren't going to get to the solution but you just keep going you keep brainstorming you keep believing in the process and it's amazing like the solution you'll get to in the end you just have to like keep going Mm -hmm. yeah that's really interesting I've always been curious we're service providers Mm -hmm. also like our agency provides a service how involved are you with the client like how integrated do you become with your client? And is it mostly like front end side and then project deliverables? Or are you having multiple touch points a day? And I know like every Mm -hmm. client is probably different, but in general, like what's your best approach or your favorite approach? Yeah. So I like to work closely with a client, but also have enough space that I'm able to have a good perspective. So I want to know the inner workings. I feel like the best projects are when I like know that client intimately. So I have some clients that I've been working with for say six years. And now we're working on more projects that they don't have to brief me with all the details. Like I know their brand. I know even the vision of the company. I know where they're going. They've brought me into meetings where it isn't necessarily like design oriented, but now I know more about who they are as a company, where they're going so that I can be making those decisions, even visual decisions that will sort of set them up even for the future. But I'm not necessarily connecting with clients on a daily basis. Yeah. Yeah, I'm always curious, like where people stand on that, just because I feel like everyone has a different approach. Some people do like three hour long interviews with every single stakeholder. Right. <laughs> yeah. like, just like a kickoff call or whatever. So I'm just so curious of like what everyone's approach is to that. But that totally makes sense. I agree. Like once you kind of get into a rhythm with the client, you kind of can anticipate what it is that they'd want based on what their goals are. So that's great. Well, and I think too, like knowing who the stakeholders are. That's like normally the first thing I ask. And to me, I actually don't like working on projects when there's more than two stakeholders. And it's probably two because I'm like a company of one and it's harder to manage that many people, that many, that just to me elongates the process. So yeah, I'm usually working more one-on-one, one-on-two. Yeah, because if you're inviting too many opinions, it's hard to get anything done. Yeah, definitely. Exactly. Can you walk us through your favorite project to date? And of course, every client is your favorite. I understand that. But maybe yeah. one that feels special in your mind or you really loved the output or just the process or 
any like special moments in your career that you want to share? Yeah. Can I talk about a couple? (laughs) Okay. For different reasons. So I've been working with Darling. They're one of my clients that I've been working with for quite a few years. They're a magazine and media company out of LA. And I love them. I love what they stand for. They're the first magazine that didn't retouch any of their models. And they just have a yeah really beautiful sort of mandate with that. So I've been working with them. And then for issue 23, I did a redesign, which was really fun. After I think I'd been working with them for 10 issues, maybe 10 or 12 issues before. And then to get to sort of stop redesign, work on their new branding and work on the new magazine and sort of take it kind of to the next level was really, really fun. It was really cool to just watch that process. And because we knew each other so well and I knew them and been working with them, it actually could have been hard, but they let me go away because for so long I'd been working kind of with their template already. What had already been created, I was still trying to push it And I'd always had these dreams of like, oh, if I could like get my hands on it actually and do like a full redesign, what I would do. And they let me do that. They let me like run with that, which was really, really fun. And is that, are you responsible for the comma? That was like a group thing. That was like their whole idea. Yeah. Of creating it as like a letter, as a continuation of a conversation. I love that. I remember when that went live, I was like, oh, that is so smart and like, I get it. You know, I get the significance of that. So kudos to you and the entire team for doing that. Yeah, yeah seriously. Yeah. They're so smart. It's so good. How long did it take? Like, I know you were working on magazine design and stuff. And then to interrupt that, to do this full rebrand phase and really think it through properly, how long of a project was that in the middle of everything else? Yeah, it actually was probably a lot faster than normal. It was like a huge crunch time because of printing and the subscription process, we had to do it really quickly. So we had been working on the branding before we then started on the magazine redesign. I actually don't remember how fast it was, but it was vast. It was like, I think for the magazine, it was six weeks for the redesign. That's impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It was crunch time, but yeah. And it won an award, which was then also like the culmination of all of it to just then be recognized for the full magazine design by Applied Arts was also just really cool as a little like cherry on top. Like we, we did it. (laughs) Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. You did it. Congratulations. (laughs) Wow. That's awesome. I think Darling is one that we've followed. We remember obviously the comma when the rebrand and the remake of the magazine happened and it was impactful to us. I'm sure it was to many others. And you mentioned there's another client or another project that you wanted to chat about? Yeah. So the United Nations, I've been working with them for the past couple of years. And it's just a project that we're just been working on right now. It's a cookbook of refugees, their dishes and their stories. And it's just something I'm like really proud of. It's not revolutionizing design, but it's their stories and the images and the dishes it's so exciting. And I'm, I'm really proud of that. And just getting to be a part of that project in a small way of just even pulling all the design together. Yeah, I'm really excited. And that one actually launches in the next couple of weeks. And that's awesome. Wow, I can't yeah. wait to see that. Yeah, we're gonna have yeah. to get our hands on that one for sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited to make the dishes. They look they <laughs> no <kidding. they're> good. <laughs> that's so cool. Cool. Well, we've got to mention, you've got the iconic Nike swoosh on your website as a brand that you've collaborated with. So definitely not something that we can just glaze over. (laughs) What is it like to work with Nike and how did that happen? How did you land them? Yeah. So that was a bucket list client that I'd always wanted as well. But it's hard to when you're just a company of one, you're not necessarily going to work with Nike. And it was a collaboration with Darling, actually. So we did a magazine with Nike and it was so great. They were such an incredible client. We pitched it to Nike and they, I don't know all the inner workings, but one of the main things was that they loved my design and they basically let me run with it, which made it such a dream project. They really didn't push back on much that we had pulled together. And I mean, the Darling team 
it was such a cool concept of following 40 runners that had never run a marathon and then kind of following their progress before and after. I think they ran the Chicago marathon. I think that was what it was. Yeah. So it was just, again, another really, really cool project, but yeah, pretty cool to get to work with such an iconic brand. I didn't know how I would as just a solopreneur. So it was cool. Yeah, no kidding. I feel like Nike is the bucket list item for a lot of our listeners and us Mm -hmm. too. I feel like anytime we're like, this person has grazed Nike and we're like, let's talk about how to do it. That's really sweet. Yeah. And it's just like a testament to me of just having great client relationships so that when Darling lands Nike, I also get to work with Nike. And because we'd worked together for so long, and they obviously would bring me in because we just had such a great relationship anyway. So I don't know, it's been really beautiful. And honestly, like Darling's been such a great client and another, and I think I'm allowed to talk about it now. I signed an NDA a couple of weeks ago, but I think we're good now, is that they brought me in on a project with Pantone, which was like another bucket list brand that I didn't even know you could work with Pantone. And so I knew about the color of the year we were brought on for that. They've already released it. So I'm pretty sure I can talk about it now. And yeah, so we're still continuing to work with them on some fun little projects. But it's just so cool if you, you know, work with good people that are also trying to do interesting things out in the world. You never know what sort of collaborations, what projects will come your way because of that. No kidding. Well, Mm -hmm. you mentioned the importance of powerful or like strong customer relationships. Can you unpack that a little bit before we keep going? Like, what do you do outside of managing the creative process and delivering a great final product? What do you do to nurture the actual relationship that you have with your client to make those long lasting opportunities? Yeah, that's such a good question. I haven't really... I don't necessarily have a formula. I think for me, a huge part about it is being personal and being available and over communicating. So I obviously have a busy life outside of my work with like kids and a family and that kind of thing. But I always over communicate. So I'm always letting my clients know when I'm available, what sort of even capacity I have if they need like last minute things. And I do try to deliver when they ask for things within reason. But I think that sort of relationship of maybe like over delivering helps with the client relationship and just being real, like talking about things. And I do really try to work with people that have grace or like understand life and are also trying to maybe live a life that isn't working 24 seven. But I know that's not always the case and not always possible. But for me, I've always tried to over communicate. So I'm trying to create situations where the client doesn't feel like I'm letting them down just so that they know, you know, what the schedule is when I'm available so that they feel like I'm on their team. Yeah, it's amazing how far that goes. What you said about over communicating or letting your client know what you're doing or when you're available. I think like, We've seen that too, just Mm -hmm. in its very simplest form, just making sure that your client is never wondering what's going on. Yes. Yeah, that's the key. And you can also teach your client how to treat you. So my husband works in advertising too, and sometimes they don't have the opportunity to sort of talk about even boundaries or guidelines of how to work together. They kind of have to just work how the client wants to work. But since you know, this is my company, I get to teach the client, you know, how we work together, how this is going to work in like a really beneficial way for everyone. But I know lots of people that feel like maybe their clients walk all over them, but you probably let them do that. You probably taught them how to do that. And so just creating those boundaries, creating over communication, I think helps everyone. Yeah. I think that's such a great point. Like setting boundaries with your clients is so important. What kind of boundaries do you set? Did you know that you can change what you taste by what you hear? How can you use sound to make a deeper connection with your clients? Can we be healed with sound? 
Sound influences people in their buying decisions and their daily lives. In the podcast audio branding, I explore all of this, both with my own observations as a voice actor of over 15 years and by interviewing knowledgeable professionals in the field of advertising, marketing, music, and science. To have a listen for yourself, visit audiobrandingpodcast.com. Well, I mean, a few things like I try not to email out of my nine to five office hours. If clients come with last minute things or things that are rushed or they're like freaking out about it or whatever, there's like rush fees or there's like, yes, I can do this, but you know, then this is going to fall. If you have a big project and they need something right now, okay, I can get you that right now, but maybe part B of the project is going to take longer. Mm -hmm. So kind of like, we can do it, but let's pick our battles. And then there's lots of times where I will jump on things if the client has been really great to work with and I want to help them out. But yeah, I think those would be like my main things. Oh, and then even just with deadlines, like I always over communicate with those. If I'm sending this proof here, this is when I need feedback and those type of things. So the schedule is always everyone knows and is on the same page with that. I want to kind of shift gears a little bit. Tell us about Designer Vacay and how that came to life. Yeah. So Designer Vacay is a vacation slash retreat for our creative women. It started as just with graphic designers. It kind of has grown to more. There's lots of creative industries represented. For the most part, we would talk more to graphic design, but it was still so beneficial to anyone that came. And it started out of just a friendship between myself and my friend Promise, who lives in California. And we were all like online friends. There was a bunch of us that were just, you know, online. Like, I think back then it was Twitter is what we were all buddies on. And we at one point were just like, it would be so nice to get together for us all to get together. So And then my friend and I were like, let's actually do this. So we emailed 20 or 30 of our top designers that we kind of knew of or knew from like Twitter and stuff. And we invited them to like this retreat, which basically was just us going to Palm Springs, the Ace Hotel for a couple of days. And there wasn't really going to be any agenda. It was just, let's come, let's relax. Let's step away from our computers. We're on our computers all day. Let's just hang out. And amazingly, 20 out of them said, yes, I'm there. I'm there. So we jumped on that the first year we all hung out and it was so cool. Like we would all gather in promise in my room and we would just talk shop and ask each other questions and just talk about the industry and things that we hadn't really had a chance maybe to talk to people about. And then we'd obviously hang up at the pool, eat really good food and just really relax the whole time. And we just loved it. And it sort of organically grew out of that to the last year we had it, it would sell out. We started charging for it. It sold out in two or three days. We try to cap it at 150 because we feel like it still is intimate enough. But it also feels big too. So you feel like you could meet everyone in the room, even if you can't meet everyone in the room, it still feels like that. Yeah. And it's been really cool. Like the friendships that have come out of it, even people starting businesses out of it. It's been a really rewarding sort of side project in my life. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like we could all use a vacation right now. So that that just sounds awesome. (laughs) I know I think about it. I'm like, oh, I wish we could go this year. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. So given that obviously in-person events and travel is difficult or altogether canceled, what's next for Designer Vacay? Have you guys started making plans or is it just kind of, we'll wait and see? Yeah, right now it's a, I think it's a wait. We were feeling like it was coming to a close. We weren't sure what we should do next with it. It was really successful. People were loving it. But even Promise and I just weren't sure, should we keep going? Like we have been doing it, I think, for six or seven years. And it's a lot of work, like putting on a huge event, especially when it's your side project. So I loved it. But I think even just with what's happened in the world and sort of putting it on pause, 
right now and no one really knows what's happening next, even next year. I think there's a lot to like reevaluate in terms of anything we're kind of doing in life. And that's for sure one of them. Totally. So hard to make plans right now. I know. Yeah. What are plans? I don't think. I know. You can <laughs> what is traveling? <laughs> what is vacation? Yeah. Well, one thing that has come up already, and I know you're passionate about this. We've talked to a few people about ethical advertising. Obviously, we're in advertising. So that's something that we have discussions around. And given the more general awareness there is about algorithms and targeting on social media, it's really like a evolving conversation that we're trying to figure out what is our approach to this and how to be advertising with integrity. As a creative and a designer and a thought leader, what's your perspective on ethical advertising or marketing? And is it even possible to do that with integrity? Yeah. I mean, this is the thing. I'm still, I think, wrestling a lot with this. I'm hoping to do more learning on this, even through my master's. I think it's something I'm really really interested in. I think I need to believe that you can advertise with integrity. I think that is possible, but I do think you need to do that intentionally. It's not as easy to just say, oh yeah, this is, you know, we're an ethical company. I think there's a lot more that needs to go in it than just catchy words and slogans and using like the buzzwords right now. I've been learning about this like theory or this thing called window dressing ethics, which basically means companies that say one thing and do the other, where they say, you know, we're socially minded or whatever, all the different ones that they could say, but they actually aren't living that within their company. They're saying all these things to, you know, make people think that they're woke, but they're not actually doing it within their company. And that's something I'm really interested in, I guess. I don't know if that's the right word, but I'm trying to see even in my own company or even in the things that I'm putting my money into or the brands that I'm buying from, like who are actually walking the walk and are just saying this because that's what the times are telling them to. There's so much that we need to do that shouldn't just be reactionary. We need to actually live it before we can start saying this is who we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's such a good point. I feel like it's kind of like how you use templates. A lot of people now use templates for websites, you know, whether it's like Squarespace or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. It's almost like for brands these days that there's templates to what you say about yourself too, mm-hmm. that you yeah. just know that people want you to say, so you say them. Yeah. But like you said, you know, it's really just dressing things up. There's not necessarily substance to it. Yeah. And uh, we've really been seeing that too with, as we kind of walk our clients through this turbulent landscape of 2020 Mm -hmm. is like, if you're going to say that, you have to actually do that. Mm -hmm. And what does it look like to connect those dots within a corporation? You know, it's not that simple. So it's cool that you're studying that more and you're curious about it. And I'd say we are too. So we'll have to keep the conversation going Mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah, I would love that. Do you find that your clients have pushback with that? Like, are they interested in being ethical and being I think, I mean, not every client's the same. There's definitely more that are like really questioning what their values are and how they're living that. And then there are some that maybe are more responding to the climate of the time. And I think as marketers, we're charged with communicating that. But thankfully, because of this year and because of cancel culture that exists out there or call out culture that exists, I think a lot of our clients have been a bit more gun shy, which is healthy because you need to stop and be like, okay, what are we actually saying and how are we actually Mm -hmm. supporting it? So because of this environment, it's given us the opportunity to challenge and have deeper conversations. So we're not just doing the work they're asking us to do, but we're having like a dialogue about how they're living it out because we know the next question that's going to be asked once we do put this message out there is like, how are you doing it? So I think that's a healthy discussion to have. But yeah, I everyone's different. I'm sure you have more to add to that. Yeah, there's lots of different responses. I think the best ones, even if they don't know how to get there, are the ones that are like, yeah, we recognize there's a problem or a disconnect, but how do we get there? Or there's Mm -hmm. the ones that are like, yeah, there's a problem here. We need to fix this, but it's going to take a long time. Some of those organizations are just so big and there's so Mm -hmm. many cooks in the kitchen and so many different 
kind of lenses to look through, whether it's marketing or HR or accounting or mm-hmm. legal or whatever it may be. Yeah. But I think the ones that are discouraging for me, and they're more rare, but are the ones that don't even really recognize that there's a problem. Mm-hmm. And those are the ones that I'm just like, I don't know how to help you because obviously this isn't working. And obviously you're kind of on a trajectory towards having public facing issues, but mm-hmm. you just mm-hmm. don't see it. But yeah. I think that also just kind of emphasizes the idea that we need to be careful about which brands we work with, you know, yeah. be selected who our partners or collaborators are and be willing to say no sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I also think that it kind of goes back to what you were saying, Alyssa, earlier about like building trust with your clients. Like if you are a trusted partner with a client and a client's coming to you asking to support this marketing message that they're trying to champion that doesn't necessarily align with what they're doing, it's going to be an easier conversation to have when they trust you. Mm-hmm. So I think for anyone who's listening and maybe kind of like in that weird limbo space with the client, I think creating those trust moments with the client, I think will be an important part of how you can lead them in the future. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I just keep thinking too, like, especially for, I'm not sure exactly who your audience all is, but I'm assuming if they're in the creative industry, they're designers, they're photographers, they're web designers, web developers. We have an incredible tool. Like we have all these tools that people are coming to us to use to help amplify their voices. And I think wielding those tools with integrity ourselves and not just amplifying voices just to do it, but to be thinking, I think even for all of us need to be thinking more strategically about like whose voices, whose platforms are we boosting? We have so much power and yeah, it's a responsibility, I think. I don't think, you know, you always think that way when you're, you know, just making a a logo or creating content, but it is a responsibility and it's something to think about or at least think when you're doing your work. Yeah. And it's hard because sometimes I think whether you're freelance or running a team, Mm -hmm. you know, it can feel like it's a luxury to be able to choose who you amplify or who you work with. It's more important than ever, whether you need that money or not, you know, Mm -hmm. because this is your career, this is your integrity, this is your reputation that you're putting on the line, not just your cash flow. Mm -hmm. So easier said than done, but something to think about for sure. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Along the lines of tools, you know, like what you just said of how Mm -hmm. we all have tools that these clients or businesses or brands need. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, and it's a bit of a broad question, so there might not be a perfect answer, but I'm curious from your perspective, how has 2020 and everything that's happened from the global pandemic to the political landscape to, you know, Mm -hmm. like racial equity and things like that. How has that changed the way that you look at design and the work that you're producing for your clients? Oh, yeah, that's a really good question. I guess, to be honest, I feel like we're not out of it yet. So it's hard to even know how it's impacted. Because I think for me, even I'm still just treading water, even mentally, physically, in my work, I feel like, you know, life is good, but nothing's certain right now. It's still not certain. I mean, today, I think the first person got vaccinated in Canada, but no one knows what's actually happening here. (laughs) I don't know if I could answer that yet. I feel like maybe in a year, I'll be able to look back and see how it's impacted. I know for me personally, all of this space and time has been like, we're not running around to different parties or hangouts or commitments outside of our home. So I know I've really been trying to personally be investing in myself through reading, even through school, the podcasts I'm listening to, the books I'm reading, to the conversations I'm having. I'm trying to, you know, be interested in what's happening around me and trying to learn from it and grow. So I think as a human, I hope I'm becoming a better person this year. And I'm sure it will be reflected in my work. But at this point, it feels like work's been amazing this year, but it hasn't been the focus. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's super important, like especially as a creative, and like you mentioned, everyone's creative, so everyone should be doing this, (laughs) to be investing in yourself and making sure that you're reading 
a wide selection of books or listening to different voices or watching different things. And I am with you. I feel like this has been the year where I've had the time and maybe not always, but to really like at least the hunger to Mm -hmm. learn more and be exposed to more things. And I think that's a really important ritual and practice that every creative and especially designer should have. We work with an amazing, talented crew of designers and producers Mm -hmm. and photographers. By the way, two of them, Jill and Drew, I have to give them a little (gasps) They. Yeah, they said that you're the reason why they wanted to go into design. So I need to let you uh, know that. <laughs> oh, I love <laughs> them. For a second, but yeah, how do you stay on top of trends and designs and art in general? Like, is it just a matter of reading a ton or looking around for different magazines? Like, how do you stay on top of what's the latest and greatest? Oh, yeah, this is the question. This is the other question. How to stay relevant and current and know what's happening. I think for me, I'm just trying to be as curious as I can. So it's also probably personality wise, like I love information. I love devouring all the books, all the magazines, all the podcasts. I find so I'm on Twitter a lot, not posting or doing anything, just I follow a ton of people. So that's even where I'm staying up on like, political things. And Mm -hmm. it's like varies from like designers to politics, all the things I'm sort of interested in. But just in the world, like I'm just trying to be as curious as I can be out in the world when things were open. I'm trying to go to events and museums and I love walking and just even seeing what's happening out on the streets, I think is really helpful. But for me, it's just trying to look and see as much as possible and then trying to start recognizing the patterns, recognizing this color is, I'm seeing it everywhere in magazines, on the street, in store windows, that kind of stuff is starting to sort of see what's out on the landscape. I don't know. I don't have necessarily like a process. I'm just always trying to learn, always trying to see what's happening. And I try to stay off of Pinterest as much as possible. I still go on it a bit. I actually want, that's a a whole other sidebar. I want to learn more about that kind of marketing this year. That's like one of my goals is to play on it a little bit. However, I am trying to not just forever scrolling on that because I do feel like we all just begin to look like one another if all we're doing is looking at the same things. And I want to try to not just be in this silo. So Yeah, that is a really good point. I wondered that too. Like at the early days of Instagram, when Instagram would highlight certain creators and photographers Mm -hmm. and make them the suggested people to follow. And of course, you know, every time Mm -hmm. someone logged in or like signed up for Instagram, they would see these lists of people, mostly photographers that were handpicked from Instagram. Mm -hmm. And then like fast forward a year later and the style of photos that all these photographers would have was like the way that people shot photos and shared photos for Instagram. So the algorithm was like inadvertently encouraging only one style of photography and everyone was emulating that style. So it was just like this crazy snowball effect. The people behind Instagram maybe didn't intentionally plan to do that, but that was the result Mm -hmm. of how the algorithm worked. And I kind of feel like Pinterest sometimes feels like that too. It has that snowball effect of promoting the same kind of style. And so people create that style to get more traction on Pinterest. Oh, totally. Well, even the way we decorate our houses is now based on the likes that maybe it's not based on that, but we're all seeing everyone else's. So everyone's houses are like clean lines and all white. And it's like, oh, we're all seeing the same interior design. Oh, now that's, even if you didn't like that before, if you see so many times the same image or the same style of image, all of a sudden you're going to be like, wait, I really want that too. That resonates with me now. So I don't know. I'm always trying to like, even though I know I'm completely being influenced by all the social media and everything around me, I am trying to also just be aware that that is happening. So all of a sudden I'm like, oh, all I want is marble things. Why do I want a marble coffee table? And like, 
oh, it's because that's all I see. And I don't need to see that anymore. <laughs> that's so true. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We have a marble coffee table. Oh, I know yes, you what you're saying. Yeah, I'm really holding myself back from just being like, yeah, that sounds like our house. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so like, yeah. Yeah. No, it's marble. so beautiful. It's so, it is so beautiful. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, man. no, that's true, though. But I really liked what you said about curiosity, just to like take it back a little bit. You mentioned it now for how you find inspiration, but also for when we were talking about your kids, you know, and like what mm-hmm. they're interested in and just being curious about what is captivating them. I think that's so interesting. And I think mm-hmm. it's a good time to be curious because I feel like because of the pandemic, more people than ever are just like going out for walks. That's like the activity that we can do. Mm -hmm. So I think it's just, I wanted to poke at that or pin it for our audience, for our listeners to say like, pay attention to that, you know, like while you're going out on your quarantine walks, really just take a minute to be curious about the details around you and notice things. And Mm -hmm. I think that's been so important for us too, because life can move so quickly, especially when you're in a client sort of industry like ours, like when you're a service provider. So to be able to slow down and whether it's being curious about what your kids love or just being curious about the environment that you find yourself in is really important. And I think just that habit of slowing down enough to notice things is something that we all kind of take for granted or overlook sometimes too. So thank you for that. Yeah. Well, and just to keep going on that idea of going out and for walks, like what I've found. So I at the start of all of this craziness in March and going out on walks, I would take photos of things that I was seeing. And it was so cool or interesting to see how people, non-designers, maybe like in the world's eyes, non-creatives, how they were creating signage and how they were communicating, you know, that their store wasn't open anymore, but that they were still doing deliveries or even just banding the community together, the neighborhood together through different signs, different sayings, different slogans. I just find that so interesting. So there's so much out there. And I guess back to that being curious and seeing trends, I find it really interesting when non-designers, like seeing how they tackle design or creative problems. I think that's really interesting to see how they're using the world around them, the things that they're seeing to communicate with the world i think it's really mm. interesting yeah that is really cool wow i'm gonna be paying attention to that now <laughs> yeah, <for sure>. me <laughs> too. yeah yeah so many restaurants and retail shops and even just random people in their front window you know yeah. like there's messaging homemade signs everywhere mm-hmm. it's so beautiful yeah it's so cool. that really cool we're nearing the end of our interview here but we'd like to ask all of our guests this question and hopefully you'll have something to share for us, but what brands or creatives or designers are making waves right now and why? Yeah. So I did think about this a little bit. So I have three ideas to talk Love about. It. <laughs> so first on Instagram, my friend Kate Arends at Wit and Delight. Not sure if you follow her. I love her brand and how she mixes both her brand and her personal life in one. I think a lot of times people say, oh, like you need to keep your personal life over here on this account and then your business brand on this account. But I love the way that Kate marries it. And I think it speaks a lot to like authenticity, things that have been happening. She lives in Minneapolis. There's been crazy things were happening earlier this year with the riots and different things. And she was right there learning and asking questions and like trying to even shift and pivot her brand or make changes with her brand to better serve her audience. Yeah. And so I love it. And right now she's remodeling her like amazing home and it's totally way different than anything you'd see on Instagram. Like it's not like maybe that Instagram aesthetic and she's like really almost like pushing back on that and even encouraging people to think differently about their living spaces and having fun with color. She's having so much fun with color and texture and patterns. And it looks, yeah, it's really exciting. How do you say her handle? Yeah, it's at Wit and Delight. Delight, perfect. Wit and Delight, yeah. And then my friend Lisa on Twitter, and she does this on Instagram too, but she's also doing it on Twitter and it's kind of going maybe even like a little bit viral on Twitter. She's a comedian in LA and she's putting out just really fun 
ridiculous content right now. Randomly, it's not like on a schedule or anything, but she's just making me laugh right now during the pandemic. I love hers. Okay. And hers is at Lisa Gilroy. And then my last one is a podcast because I always have to talk about a podcast because I love podcasts. So it's called Still Processing. Have you guys heard that one yet? I have. Yeah. 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 So that's like my favorite one right now. And they're coming back, I think, in the new year with a new season. And I love it's through the New York Times. It's like a culture podcast. And they have just incredible commentary and perspective that's really valuable, I think, right now. Mm. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great one for yeah. sure. Three heavy hitters. I appreciate that. Yeah. One on each platform. I love I know. that. I was like, these are my three favorite platforms right now. So this is great. Find my tops. Yeah. Yeah. Love there it. you go. So this is your opportunity for any last comments if you have them, but otherwise let us know what you're working on right now or coming up, you know, a project that you're excited about and then just where listeners can connect with you. So yeah. I'm just, I guess, wrapping up stuff for Christmas, but working on that UN cookbook and different web projects. Really excited for those. And you can always find me on Instagram at Alyssa Uhas. And I'm probably Instagramming my cat or my boys or something fun. So awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll add the links to the show notes. And Alyssa, it was so good to have you. Yeah. Thank you so much for that conversation. It was great. No problem. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, take care. We'll talk soon. It's good. This episode of Wave Social Podcast is powered by Arcade Studios. Show notes for this episode and other episodes can be found at wavesocialpodcast.com. You can also subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. If you've got questions, comments, or suggestions for future shows, hit us up at Wave Social on Instagram. Thanks for joining us.